uh, I think most people in evangelicalism, when they see a squirrel, thinks of Gene Clyde. It's really strange when you think about it. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It's good to have you with us. It is Thursday, the 23rd day of February. That means there's just a few more days of February left. Uh, Six, five, five. Yeah, 28 is our, yes, it's not a leap year, so there's only 28 days. There are five days left in February. March is coming. Shepherd's Conference is coming. If you are going to be in California for Shepherd's Conference, drop me a line. would love to, to meet up and say hi. I will be there. I, uh, it's my intention, Lord willing, that uh, the Tuesday before Shepherd's Conference, I will be at... Grace to you, volunteering, stuffing envelopes, uh, something I've done many of my trips to California for Shepherd's Conference, um, just hanging out with the guys at Grace to you, uh, doing a little volunteer work. Love that ministry. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is Shepherd's Conference. So that's coming up here. What that's, let's say that's the 8th, 9th, and 10th of March. So that's coming up real quick. So do, if you are going to, if you're going to be at Shepherd's Conference, drop me a note at squirrelchatter at protonmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Would love to meet up with you and say hi while I'm down there. Um, between sessions, you'll either find me usually in the book tent or uh, in the tables on the patio in front of the seminary building. That tends to be where I hang out. But, uh, yeah. Be good to see if you're if you're down there. I'm looking forward to it, uh, mainly because I'm really looking forward to getting down there and getting into some warmer weather. Um, I'm calling up the. Uh, yep, it is one below zero right now. Is the current temperature according to the Weather Pro app on my phone? Heading for a high today of 16 degrees. So yeah, it's, we're getting, uh, this is, this is probably winter's last blast. I, I always say when I go down to Shepherd's Conference, I leave winter and I return to spring. So that's kind of my hope. Um, friend in California just sent me, uh, that I guess it's pouring down rain down there this week. Well, pouring, I don't know. They're rain, it's rainy right now. Chilly and rainy, highs in the forties. And, uh. And so hopefully they'll get the the rain out of their system before I get down there. Because usually when you go down there, it's like sunny and high 60s, low 70s. It's just really great weather when you've left <laughs> below zero and snow-covered Montana. So I'm looking forward to that. It's not just the biblical doctrine and the great fellowship. It's the weather. All right. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else it is that I want to talk about. Webcasting every Monday through Friday, 
at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. And we are a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts. You are sure to find something worth listening to. It's going to be doctrinally sound. It's going to be edifying. It's going to be entertaining. And uh, so I, I direct you there. It's a safe place to get your podcasts. You're not going to get any weird doctrine. You know, we're not we're not mono uh, mono theological. We have different theological positions on secondary and tertiary issues, but you're going to hear the gospel on every show on on uh, on the Christian podcast community. One of the things that I was actually on Twitter this morning earlier, I got up early. It's Thursday. I get up early for prayer meeting with uh, staff, faculty, and students of GBTS have a Zoom meeting. There's a bunch of guys gathered around a conference table there at the seminary. And then there are several of us from around the country that, and around the world who Zoom in for the prayer meeting. And we pray for each other. We pray for our churches. We pray for the seminary. We pray for our families. It's, it's, a, it's a great time of prayer every week. So I'm up early on Thursdays. And then I got, got on Twitter and started looking around. By the way, Happy birthday, Chris Honholtz. Chris Honholtz of Voice of, Re- Voice of Reason Radio podcast is, today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Chris. Um, but I got on Twitter and uh, Gabe Hughes, who you heard his voice introduce the show. He does my voiceover for the intro and outro. Um, he was tweeting about The Chosen and about... Um, the fact that he's constantly seeing ads on social media that feature the the actor from The Chosen who plays Jesus um, advertising a Roman Catholic prayer app and talked about all the videos he's watched and interviews he's watched with this young man and with, uh, you know, of actually the show because he did a review on the show. So uh, we'll give him a pass. He watched it for research purposes only. Um, but he said he's, in all of that time, he's never heard the gospel. And folks, if something is void of the gospel, it's not Christian. But at the Christian podcast community, you will find the gospel in every podcast. Not maybe in every episode. Some of them aren't gospel proclamation episodes but they're gospel-centered, and you can be trust. They're trustworthy, and everybody's been vetted. Everybody's been interviewed. Um, I've been friends with Andrew Rappaport, who is the head of the the network. This is the Christian Podcast Community is part of the Striving for Eternity Ministries, which is Andrew Rappaport's ministry. And I've been friends with Andrew for a decade. And when I wanted to get uh, Squirrel Chatter onto the network. I had to sit down and go through the interview and do all of that. They, they sent out samples of my podcast to the, the other podcast hosts in the, in the community for review and comment. And it's, it's not, it wasn't just automatic because I knew Andrew. So 
you can be assured that you're going to be getting solid stuff. Now, there's over 50 podcasts. They're not all going to be for you. You know, some of them are, are th- you know, some of them will be th- about things you're not interested in. Some of them will be things you're very much interested in. That's why there's over 50 of them. You're not going to be able to listen to all of them, but try if you want. So that's my my pitch today for Christian Podcast Community, christianpodcastcommunity.com. All right, on today's show, we have prayers from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer, a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and it's Theology Thursday. So we are in the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, Chapter 10 of Effectual Calling. And just to give you a heads up, I'm, I'm kind of speeding up the way we're going through the 1689. When I started doing it last year, we were doing the Bible in a year reading. And so the bulk of the podcast was taken up by the scripture reading. We're not doing that this year, so I'm devoting more time to the 1689. There are four chapters, in, or four paragraphs in chapter 10, and I'm going to try to get through all of it today. So we will, we will see. We'll watch the clock. I got my clock right here. So we will be watching the clock. Still struggling with the cough just a little bit, but obviously much better than I used to be. As you can tell, get my clock app back up on my phone now that I'm done looking at the weather. So I keep track of it. I said, I'm going to keep an eye on the clock and I looked down and I had no clock. So, and before we start, I'm going to refill my coffee. I said, I've been up early, so I've been drinking a lot of coffee. You hear the, the squeak of my Yeti thermos being opened and the pouring of my Squirrely Joe's house blend today. Squirrely Joe's coffee. So, there we go. All right. Now we're ready to go. Let us begin with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ today is Don't Count on Sensationalism. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. Matthew 4, 6a. Throughout history, sensationalism has often appealed to average people who are looking for dramatic events that titillate the senses and pander to fleshly curiosity. Toward the end of his ministry, Jesus warned, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. That's Matthew 24, 24. 
even when signs are from God, they usually do not br- not bring unbelief. Let me repeat that sentence going back. <laughs> even when signs are from God, they usually do not bring unbelievers to faith, but only confirm the faith of those who already believe. God's many miracles on behalf of the wandering Israelites just made many of them more presumptuous and unbelieving, as did Jesus' signs to the Jews who opposed him. The Apostle John writes, But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. John 12.37 Jesus himself, as the Messiah and Son of God, was the greatest sign God ever gave to humanity, yet he was despised and forsaken of men. Isaiah 53.3 Demanding sensational signs, as Satan did from Jesus, does not manifest faith, but rather skepticism and unbelief. Cross-references to Matthew 12.39 and 16.4 Because a fascination with the sensational is far removed from true faith, Jesus would take no part in it. For those who, apart from special signs, believe in God, the Father, and trust in His Son, our Savior, it is well evident that Christ has already proved Himself. Ask yourself, the best Christian witness in the world remains the power of a changed life. People will respond to your testimony of God's love and mercy much more often than to a high-energy worship service. How are you making Christ known through your own life? Look for the simplest of ways. All right. And it is Theology Thursday. One moment and I will be right back. Of course there's bad churches. Um, Then go find a good one. And if you have to drive to get to it, then it's worth the drive, I would say. You know? So get in your car and go. I mean, how bad do you want it? I mean, how important is the truth to you? And we're back. All right. 1689, London Baptist Confession of Faith, Chapter 10 of Effectual Calling. I'm going to read the chapter, then we'll go down and break it down and look at the proof text. Paragraph 1. Those whom God hath predestined unto life, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call by his word and spirit, out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature, to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving to them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills, and by his almighty power determining them to that which is good, and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yet so as they, most, as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man, nor from any power or agency in the creature. Being wholly passive therein, being dead in sins and trespasses, until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, He is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in it, and that by no less power than that which raised up Christ from the dead. Elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by Christ through the Spirit, 
who works when and where and how he pleases. So also are all elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the word. Others not elected, although they may be called by the ministry of the word and may have some common operations of the Spirit, yet not being effectually drawn by the Father, they neither will nor can truly come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved. Much less can men that do not receive the Christian religion be saved, be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of that religion they do profess. All right. This is another deep passage. Deep, uh, deep, uh, not passage, deep uh, article. Article of faith that we're looking at today. Paragraph one begins with, Those whom God hath predestined unto life, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call. So the word says that God has chosen whom he is going to save from before the foundation of the world. Their names are written in the book of life of the Lamb from before the foundation of the world. He has predestined certain individuals for salvation. And, but, excuse me, there is a time during which, during their life, there is a time which God calls the elect sinner to salvation. This call is effectual. It happens at God's appointed and accepted time. It's all according to his pleasure. So, yes, there are unsaved elect persons who have yet to reach the time that God has appointed for their salvation. But of all those who the Father has given the Son, Jesus will lose none. So those whom God hath predestined unto life will be called at a point in time and will answer that call. We're given several proof texts for this clause. Romans 8.30 and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we see in Romans 8, 30, that those whom God calls, or those whom he predestined, he does call. And so the, the predestined are called, justified, and glorified. So justification refers, you know, the call refers to the, the time, the period in time when they are drawn to the Father and repent of their sins and trust in Christ, then they receive justification. And upon death, um, partially upon death, but fully upon the resurrection to life, all who come to Christ will be glorified. So it's a, it's a sure thing. This is called, uh, Romans 8.30 is called the golden chain of redemption. These are linked together, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. This is a, a chain which cannot be broken. Once God predestines somebody, they will hit every one of the links in the chain by his will in his appointed time. Romans eleven seven. 7. 
What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. But the chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. This is referring to the fact that out of the nation of Israel, God had his chosen people. Not every Israelite, Romans 9, you know, not who are, not who, not all who are of Israel are Israel. So even among this elect nation, not every individual was among the chosen. And we've seen that. We were talking yesterday about the fact that, you know, that, that entire first generation that was out Mount Sinai, with very few exceptions, died in the wilderness in unbelief. They were unbelieving. So, you know, God always works in remnants. And so, but the chosen obtain it. The rest were hardened. Ephesians 1, 10 and 11. For an administration of the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in him we also have been made an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Salvation is all of God. And he calls the, his predestined at, at he, he works all things according to the counsel of his will to accomplish his good purpose, which includes the calling, the effectual calling of his predestined people to salvation and faith. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you as the first fruits of salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, notice he said he called, it was for this that he called you through our gospel. It's not just that God has chosen whom he would call. He has chosen the means by which he would call them, and that's the faithful proclamation of the gospel. Now, the ordinary means of the proclamation of the gospel is how God saves almost everyone. Now, I say almost everyone because there are, you know, that's not how he saved Abraham. He directly intervened in Abraham's life and saved him. It's not how he saved Paul. He directly intervened in Paul's life and saved him on the road to Damascus. So there are instances where God has regenerated and brought to repentance a sinner apart from the proclamation of the word. Um, but even then, Paul had heard the gospel, but he had rejected it. Uh, we don't know what Abraham knew. We know he was an idolater and a false worshipped a false god in Ur of the Chaldees. So we don't know what he knew when God called him and told him to go. And, and indeed, it doesn't seem like he was saved until Genesis 12, you know, or, you know, the, the, or actually not Genesis 15, where it says he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That isn't Genesis 15. Yeah, I think so. That's my faulty memory. That's why I put it in my notes and that's not in my notes. All right. The second clause in paragraph one says, by his word and spirit, out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. So we're called 
by the word of spirit, word and the spirit, out of the state of sin and death in which we are by nature. All of us. Yeah. We are all sinners by nature. There's a long passage here, six, six verses that uh, from Ephesians chapter 2 that is listed as a proof here, and it's exactly where I would go to demonstrate this, but these are the this is the proof that was given by the writers of the 1689. But it's the exact passage that comes to mind whenever I think of this. Paul writes, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So we are drawn out of sin and rebellion. We are drawn out of the uh, state of sin and death, which is the nature of fallen humanity. That's what, that's what we need to be changed from. And so the elect even are in that state before we are called to faith and repentance. Next, it says that... Uh, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. So in the effectual call, as we are drawn out of sin and death and drawn to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds and gives us understanding of the things of God. It's not a perfect understanding. We will grow in faith and knowledge throughout our Christian life. I believe we will grow in faith and knowledge throughout eternity because we will never be omniscient. And, and that's one of, one of the joys of eternity is drawing closer to God and learning more about God forever because there will always be something more to learn because God is infinite. So we will never exhaust the riches of the wonders of the glories of God. That, that is something that we will rejoice in for eternity. That's one of those things that gives me great joy to think of. All right, so we are enlightened, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. The scripture proofs given here are Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the full knowledge of him, so that you, the eyes of your heart having been enlightened, will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then the, uh, the writers of the 1689 
they quote straight from Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, taking away their heart of stone and giving to them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel twenty six thirty six twenty six says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The stony dead heart of the sinner. Now understand, we we in our modern culture, the heart is where we feel. And the head is where we think because we have, you know, the brain. In Scripture, the heart was the seat of the person. That was where thoughts, ideas, emotions, all were, you know, you know uh, were, were centered. Emotions were centered in the gut. And they would talk about feeling things in their bowels. But the heart was the center of your being, and that was where your thoughts and ideas and attitudes were located. So when it talks about hardness of heart, it's not talking about somebody who's emotionally dead. It's talking about somebody who is spiritually dead. And so this heart of stone is, that that's the mind and the thoughts and the attitudes of the lost person. And so he takes our dead stone heart out and gives us the living heart, which will then allow us to come to understanding, which brings us to, you know, the, it's only the living heart that can truly worship God. And so the heart of flesh, we're not, we're not dealing with somebody who's not emotional, the heart of stone, heart of flesh thing. It's that he doesn't take our emotionless lives and make us an emotional. This is talking about reason. This is talking about proper thinking. This is talking about proper attitudes. This is talking about proper orientation of life. That's the difference between a hard heart and a soft heart in scripture. And then the, the fifth clause, renewing their wills and by his mighty power, determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. So our wills are renewed so that we may choose to follow God. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, moreover, Yahweh your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed to love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. Is this will that allows us to, to draw close to God. Ezekiel 36, 27. We just looked at verse 26, or no, verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to do my judgments. By putting his spirit within us, God enables us to choose to be obedient to him. He causes us to walk in his statutes by our own choice. It's not, we're not forced, we're not arms locked up behind our back and frog marched. We choose to go that way and go joyfully. But he causes us to walk in his ways. 
Ephesians 1.19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of the might of his strength? That surpassing greatness is the giving us not only the ability to choose to follow him, but the will to do so. And, and the final clause here, I think it's the final clause, yeah. Uh, yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. And that was what I was just saying. He's, we're not frog-marched into doing the will of God. We choose to do the will of God. But it's his spirit within us that enables us to choose and makes us willing to choose. Um, Psalm 110.3, Your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. In the splendor of holiness, from the womb of the dawn, the dew of your youthfulness will be yours. So he's saying that you know, your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. So he enables us and then we freely choose. And then Canticles 1-4, uh, Canticles Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Um, the, the Anglican Jews Canticles, which is an older name for it. Draw me after you and let us run together. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will rejoice in you and be glad. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. So the response of the believer to God is a response of love, even though it is the king who brings us into the chambers. We, we, he makes us willing. Um, so that's the first paragraph. Now the second paragraph. Okay, I'm going to do two paragraphs, and we will do the next two paragraphs next week, just looking at the clock. Paragraph two. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man, nor from any power or agency in the creature. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. This is the fact that God's choosing of his elect is based upon his purposes, his good pleasure, his desires, and it's not on any intrinsic value of the person being saved. All of us are wretched sinners None of us are worthy of salvation. He doesn't choose the best of humanity. Indeed, often people who are humanity would consider their best are not chosen. The effectual call is God's free and special grace alone. It has nothing to do at all foreseen with the creature. It has nothing to do with the person who's being saved. It doesn't come from the will of the person being saved. This is, you know, God saves us. We don't get saved. We don't save ourselves. It's something that happens to us. It's not something that we do. 2 Timothy 1.9, 
who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So it, 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 it's the grace of God. It has nothing to do with us. It's not deserved or earned in any way. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's grace. It's no intrinsic value in ourselves. It, 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 I don't want to say annoys me. It saddens me when I hear people giving the gospel and they emphasize looking at the cross. They emphasize, look how much you're worth to God. That's not really the way to look at it. God showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The emphasis isn't on us. The emphasis is on the God who loves. It is the lover, not the object of love, that deserves all the praise. He chose me for reasons I have no idea. Because I am a wretched sinner who has no right to stand before God being forgiven in myself. This is entirely God. It it, it isn't something that should puff us up. We shouldn't walk around going, oh, look how much God loved me. No. We should be humbled by the fact that God has saved us because it is amazing grace. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, wouldst die for me? Yeah. Just sit on that for a minute. Then verse... Or, the eighth clause of the second paragraph, being wholly passive therein, being dead in sins and trespasses until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Salvation is something that happens to us. It's not something that happens as a result of something we do. We do things as a result of being saved. Salvation has to come first because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are incapable we are utterly helpless. The, the analogy is often used, you know, that you're, you're drowning in the ocean and God throws you a life preserver. You have to reach out and grab that life preserver. And that's salvation. Uh, unfortunately, the, the truth of the matter is you're not floundering around in the ocean about to drown you've already died and you're a rotting corpse on the bottom of the ocean. It doesn't matter how many life preservers float over you. You are not going to be able to reach up and grab one. God has to make you alive. And then you can reach out and grab the life preserver. But that life has to come first. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But a natural man does not accept the depths of the Spirit of God 
for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually examined. Without the Spirit, we cannot understand at all the salvation that is offered to us. That's why it's a whole, wholly a work of God. Ephesians 2, 5. But God, that's from verse 4, but I imported air. But God, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. When we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive. That's something that happens to us. That's not something we can do for ourselves. The dead cannot make themselves live. Only God can do that. John 5.25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's salvation. The ninth clause of the tenth chapter Second paragraph, he is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and conveyed in that in it, and that by no less power than that which raised up Christ from the dead. So God makes us alive, and then we are able to answer the call to salvation. Nobody whom God makes alive will refuse the call. That's why it's the effectual call. The effectual call comes with regeneration and faith attached because it is God making the dead sinner alive, drawing them to faith, and giving them the faith that they need to come to Christ and be saved. It's an act of God. That's why it's the effectual call. It's the call that comes with those effects. Um, there is a general call, the call of the word. There is the proclamation of the gospel, which is what the church is charged with. To proclaim the gospel, you know, I, I say, our job is to reach the lost and teach the found. So we proclaim the gospel. And then those who respond to the gospel by faith and repentance, those are the ones who have been drawn by God. And those who respond to the gospel with faith and repentance, we then instruct in the things of God so that they grow in, as, as Christians and are conformed more and more into the likeness of the Son of God. So it's, go therefore into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, for lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What? That's our marching orders. That's the church's marching orders. So it is God, though, that enables people to come to the gospel. What a great, great, great thing to be aware of is the fact that it's not up to me. I can't get anybody saved. My job is to faithfully proclaim the gospel. Man's sinfulness, God's righteousness, the coming judgment, and the way of escape. 
the perfect life, the atoning death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's my message. That's why, you know, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is our message. Anything else is a distraction. Anything else is a distraction. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 is the proof text given here. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of the might of his strength, which he worked in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his hand, at his right hand in the heavenly places. So the, the, the power of God is what draws us to Christ. It's what raises dead sinners to life gives them faith and repentance. It's the power of God. That's why we give him all the glory. We can take no credit. We who have been saved by God can take no credit in it. We rejoice, but we rejoice in him. We brag in him. He saved me. I was saved. It wasn't anything I did. It's, it's salvation is of the Lord. And so we rejoice in that. So, all right, we will save paragraphs three and four until next week. There's a lot to talk about in them, and I didn't want to shortchange them, but we are reaching the end of our time. I really do try to shoot for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. So that is that is the format I have chosen. And... I have things to do. All right, well, let us then recite together our faith from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance, to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for Thursday. I hope you have a great day ahead of you. Uh, As you go through the day, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.